When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nah, what an honor, you, man. man. Nah, it's an honor what myself. an honor. You've been a, a, oh my a, a whole, my whole childhood in that, man. This is kind of crazy. Oh, wow, man. I'm sorry about that. Nah, it's been, it's, it's been great, man. It's been great. Beautiful, man. And I see you as that, you know, you know, new Denzel, just that new space, <laughs> just that new, new storyteller, man. And, Thank and you. I don't want you thinking I'm going to be throwing Bible scriptures at you the whole time. Nah, nah. <laughs> finna I, get I, know, it. I know you've been about the people for a minute. Oh, come on, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brothers and sisters, my name is Kirk Franklin, and I come to give you good words. Let's go. So Good Words family, oh man, yeah. I cannot believe this. We are getting it in. Today's guest, y'all is an actor, producer. The boy got his own golden globe. Do you hear what I'm saying? He got his own golden globe. He didn't steal it. He not leasing it. He didn't rent it. <laughs> he didn't have his homeboys make him one. This is his own. He's a Golden Globe winner. His breakout film, Attack the Block, became a cult classic, leading to international stardom in the epic Star Wars sequels. Y'all, this boy been in Star Wars. He been in a whole bunch of Star Wars. I, I mean, this is this is just bananas. His recent films include Breaking with the late Michael K. Williams. Yo, The Woman King. This boy's in The Woman King with the Viola Davis. And they clone Tyrone. I'm excited about that. We're about to talk about the name because that's a good black man name, Tyrone. You don't meet too many white folk named Tyrone. So we're going to get into that joint right there too with Jamie Foxx. Y'all, he is an actor's actor. You can tell when he's on screen that he's a studied, uh, he's a pragmatic, methodical individual. And y'all, I'm very humbled. I'm very humbled to have on my podcast a young legend. A young king, John Boyega. Oh man, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, dude. Amazing. Yo, man, mm. as big as you are, as huge as you are, I mean, you do these these type of interviews in your sleep. What <laughs> touched you that, that would even allow you to make a little space for me to interview you? Um, well, I, I grew up in the church. My dad is a pastor, a Pentecostal minister. He wow. founded a church called Wall of Praise Christian Center. Um, and for years, you know, just being a, the pastor's kids, you know, the PK, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were taught not to be uh, seat warmers in the church. We couldn't be a part of the normal congregation. We had to be active members. Um, <laughs> and so um, I played the drums for the for Do the you? My, yeah, my, play the drum drum kit. My sister was singing, and my other sister wow. was on the keys. So, uh, wow. obviously, you know, you know the, the church youth days and the you know the, yeah, the, yeah, the church yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that, that frankly, that revolution got to come in, and, and you know, <laughs> it's just a part. Of, <laughs> it's a part wow. of coming up and, and and just part of the culture and the effects and impact of your ministry. You know what I mean? So, you know, you wow. got to remember your ministry 
but went past went past just the the confines of America and went out to believers all around the world. And my dad was wow. being one of those believers, being a minister, being a pastor. Obviously, was a was a listener to your music. So I was wow. like, wait, what? And I was at I was at your concert the other day. What? I was at your, yeah, I was at a concert, man. I came. I, what I came concert? You. I, I was when we were in LA. LA? Yeah, when you were in LA, yeah, yeah. You're the lying Staples to me. Center, the, the Staples Center now that's called. You're lying to me. You're lying Bruh, to me. You're lying got, to me. I've got the You came to the, the Maverick clicks. City, Kirk. Maverick You're City, lying yeah. to me. I was there, bro. I was there with my t- um, two sisters, my best. I were all there. Um, incredible. Incredible. Why would you not? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get my mind right. Let me get my mind right. Nah, it was a, a golden, A golden globe winner was just chilling in the audience and did was, not come I, say... I, you know what? I've got so much video clips. So what's great? I'm glad I filmed it. I'm going to make sure I send it to you after we're done. Please, I'm going to give you my number. But why didn't you come Why didn't you come in the back and say hi to me? Nah, man. I'm kind of low-key sometimes. I actually just genuinely wanted to go. I actually pre-booked my ticket way before summer when I was coming to LA to um, just come and do work and do publicity. So there was a, a oh couple of concerts gosh. I wanted to go to and then I heard you were coming in town. I was like, yeah, I'll oh make sure I go. So gosh. I took my elder sister, bless him, my other sister, Grace. Like We all came down, man. What It was powerful, man. What a link-up. That was brilliant. And your energy was... <laughs> I said, Kirk is up in that silk shirt just working it. <laughs> I don't even want to do this interview anymore. I don't even want to do this interview. You were in the audience at the Mav Kirk concert yeah. in LA and I didn't get to shake yeah. your hand. I am... Let me tell you something. Oh, man. This is crazy. Well, man, I'm humbled. I'm very humble. Yeah, and I'll man. tell Chandler, Naomi, and Brandon, everybody that you were there. That's bananas. Well, well look, man, you, you never know who's watching, right? You never wow. know who's watching. That's wow. like the, the wonder of, of what we do. You wow. never know how you're, you're touching and impacting people. You never so for know me, you know, to know that there was a place, you know, I don't get time to, to, to go as much um, to church as often, but to know that I could come down and, and vibe and then connect, you know, through the music was powerful, man. It was great. Let me tell you something, brother. That is one of the most humbling things because you are at the top of your game and and the fact that you still want to connect. What is it about? What is it about your personal faith that makes you want to stay connected like that? It's because you know, like I know, that the vices of celebrity and the the vices of mm. that city and the industry, mm. uh, they are not always mm. conducive for a person who mm. wants to have a vertical connection. And you're 30, like you're a baby. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> like what makes your faith part of your natural life aesthetic? I just think it's uh, been a, a safe haven for me coming up. Uh, my faith has been something that's been a huge support. Faith as an actor is what we do. Mm-hmm. When you um, decide to take on a career in which only 0.1% of actors even get to work or to, to, to make enough to live, yeah. um, you know that there's a certain level of faith that is required as a deposit yeah. <laughs> to go in onto that journey. And for me, I've always been, um, and, I, and I fluctuated in, in my perspective on it, but I've right. always been very much aware of my mortality, that I can't do everything by myself. Yeah. Um, especially internally, mentally. So I don't know, reconnecting back has always felt like reconnecting back to me, especially because of my upbringing, being in the church, working in the church. Um, it's always, it was always felt like reconnecting back to who I truly am in that sense. And he, y'all, he's at the, he's in the audience. At the, I'm trying to get over that. I'm just trying to get over. I'm, as I'm trying to picture you, Man, I was, oh, I was, I'm, I'm trying to picture you in the audience with your Golden Globe. That's 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 the problem. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I left I left that at home. Man. I left that home. I just make sure I make sure I came I, I came with my ears open, man, because it was it was such a dope night. I had a great time. 
What did your mama and daddy say to you when you got that Golden Globe? Oh, my God, I were extremely proud. Uh, my mom, from the night prior, because I was in Atlanta at the time, shooting Day Clone Tyrone, um, and my mom and dad were back home in, in London. And so we, they were on the call late night for them, just trying to see what was happening. And then when I finally won, it was just, you know, songs of phrases. And, you know, dad's going to bust down the prayers after. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And then after that, it was just, you know, just, just good, happy times, man. Amazing. Now, I have always been amazed how you guys from across the waters, how y'all are able to turn this accent on and off. I I am just amazed <laughs> at how you do. Was that the most difficult thing that you had to learn as an actor? I think definitely. And I still think it's, a, it's a, always an ongoing process, especially as we see that there, you know, there are different states, there are different intonations um, to, and to learn out here. It's definitely something that's a challenge. I also think it's quite fun, you know, like it's it's fun to be able to completely transform who you are um, and, and and become somebody completely different. There's something quite epic about that. Um, and it still goes to our accent. You know, I've got a thick South London accent. Uh-huh. So even when I want to change it to a much more standard, much more refined accent, I still have to do a little bit of a switch up. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to do, man. It's part of the job. You're saying to me that it doesn't drive you crazy to have to learn how to let go <laughs> of what is naturally your accent. No, definitely not. Um, I think also it, it speaks to the exposure and um, the success of a lot of American movies all around the mm. world. Most people from outside the States, when they spoke about their favorite movie, uh, most likely it would be an American movie. Uh-huh. So you have nine-year-olds, eight-year-olds having to speak like the, their favorite character, but you need an American accent to sound like him. Mm. You need an American accent to sound like him and go to school and talk to your friends about Tony Stark or all of these guys. And so naturally, we're so exposed to it that now when we become of age and they go, oh, well, you need an American accent. It might not be perfect, but I know I have a reference gotcha. that I've been kind of doing, you know, over years. And then, you know, you get trained and you refine it. Now, now was there a favorite American actor that you really <laughs> enjoyed that you wanted to try to make sure that you like, like you were a hundred when it came to how they communicated? Um, I would have hoped um, that I would have had a person like that, but the, the one way I was challenged the most was on the Star Wars movies. And on the Star Wars movies, uh, my reference w- was not anybody black. <laughs> you know, it was mm. anybody with the with the intonation that I that I, I would have wanted. It was more of a standard American. So I, when I went in to do the um, the training, they were kind of like just keep it nice and standard, nice and generic. We can't remember Star Wars, so it's a long time ago yeah. in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> we can't pinpoint you anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, but it it was fun. It was fun learning that it, it was just that slight generic American that's quite quirky and fast. Um, there was something about it that was quite fun. Now, as a black young man, especially with the rise of hip hop globally, did you ever want to try to mm. have kind of like that hood accent? Was there a rapper or any <laughs> black actor that was a little bit more from the block feel, that you wanted, that you wanted to get a little like, Ebonics, that you, wanted, <laughs> that you wanted to Negro it up? Was there ever a moment you wanted to Negro uh, your accent up a little bit? Not, not, not before, but now, um, if, if I could learn little baby's intonation, man, I, I learned that. <laughs> you got to give me a little bit. Just try to give me. I love. Try to give I me a little bit that you. Be, I, try to give I, me a little bit that you. Babies, what? That's so. That is so Atlanta. I'm like, I can't even track that one just yet. I need to spend more time out there. I'm like, yo, that's the one I want. Yeah, and uh, that's a real one. I love one. the way. I love the way, sound. One. I love the way it sounds. And good luck with that one. Once you get that one down, you exactly. call me because that's. <laughs> I mean. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you the one I'm testing it on before I go. Let's go. Crowd, Let's go. Let's go. But now you just said something interesting. Now, when you were casting Star Wars fresh into your 20s, because you're a young buck, the spotlight was on yeah. you, bro. And you became this highly sought after young black actor in Hollywood. It's like now you're not having to call people. Your phone is ringing. And you talked about overextending mm-hmm. yourself during this period. What was it like to finally get the opportunities that you had been working so hard for? It came as as a, as a great blessing. Um, it was a relief rather than a surprise because I had been working on it for for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, I was happy that I had the opportunity to now feel balanced and to now feel comfortable. But at the same time, it came with an element of responsibility. Now it's kind of like sometimes you're so focused on wanting the dream, right? Yeah. And the dream comes, and now you have to do your job. Yeah, yeah. It's that time. It's like oh, you know. Mm-hmm. I've just sold out the stadium. I just sold out Sable Center, but now I have to go and perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have to rehearse. Now I have to put the work in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it was it was that shock effect um, that it took me some time to you know to get my rhythm in that. Mm, that is so good. So now, did you have trouble saying no? Yes, definitely. I I did uh, Star Wars Episode Eight. Then I did a play, and then I went to China and shot Pacific Rim Uprising wow. back to back. That's right. You sure did. Um, I went back to back in everything and going from a big movie to the stage and then going back to another big movie, you know, it was, it was a lot. And I definitely looked at myself in the mirror. I was just kind of like, yeah, you could have, you could have, you could have been easier yourself a little bit. You could have fought for something on this. Um, and I did it because I was just like, yes, 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 yes to everything. Okay. So you didn't do the theater like the way Denzel does the theater, because I know that a lot of times you actors, y'all like to go back to the theater because you, you view theater as like the real grounds for an actor so for you that that's not why you did it yeah i mean no no i mean it's a combination of those those things okay. like I, I come from the theater also um and, and so going back to the theater is definitely where you get to refine your skills um, but it was also because of the opportunity it was like it, this was the old vic theater it's like one of our prestigious theater in the uk mm. and i wanted to go back home and be like you know your boy still got it live because gotcha. the theater is the real one take gotcha you know that's one take gotcha you know and, and for me i wanted to you know go back and refine refine my skills. But at the same time, you know, I was putting myself thin on on that process. Wow. Wow. So, so how do you manage also, if I can be candid, as a young man that's Mm -hmm. making probably more money than he's ever made in his life, how do you Mm -hmm. manage the integrity of your well-being with these nice checks? Because I'm quite sure Star Wars is paying you more than $5,000 a week. (laughs) so so, you know you are now as a young african british actor having Mm. more checks coming your way how do you balance Mm. the bag and your well-being and let me tell you why i ask you that john in america the conversation of being a boss this and a boss that boss chick boss player moves and and making the bag and new bag alert and all this it's very uh, driven to uh, being able to quantify your worth by what you have. Mm-hmm. And I want to know for you, did you ever get caught in that? I had to make sure that I didn't. I actually stayed well away, away from that because I think that trying to prove that you are a boss when your finances don't match up to it is an expensive game. Ooh, say um, that one more time. That say a, that one more time so people in I the back like can hear it. Just, just, <laughs> <laughs> just try Trying to prove that you're a, a, a boss, like is is, and when you're not, is an expensive game. It's really an expensive thing to do. Yeah. It's a detriment sometimes to your genuine growth. 
And for me, I always, since I was younger, you know, even starting out as an actor, much um, younger at the teenage years, there was something about the, the mandatory time of suffering that was needed for certain choices. And I just felt like something had to give, mm-hmm. you know, my mental health needs, needs taken care of. I need to have more rest and more clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, that means I have to downsize my finances. I stop making certain choices and like, you know, I have to prepare myself mm-hmm. to, you know, take more time for, for this because I can't make no more money if this goes away. So, you know, there was something about that. Who taught you that? Who, who gave you the context to even know how to be able to 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 summarize what's valuable um i feel it's definitely a combination of upbringing the messages of losing oneself the message of self being of 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 high value um, especially when you put in so much into yourself to make yourself somebody that is now successful in your field um but then it's just about uh, family, love, the way I'm appreciated and respected. The fact that when I go and see my auntie, she's like, are you okay? Mm. No, but are you okay though? Mm. Um, and it makes me think, oh yeah, am I okay? You know, and in reflection of, uh, of all those things, um, it makes me make this decision, you know, it makes me make these kind of decisions that's more beneficial for how I feel as much as, you know, the work that I'm doing. Sounds like you have a beautiful village. Sounds like you have a great yeah, village around you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, that, that I do. And, and, and it's been beneficial over the years. Who sure. is on speed call for you like that? When, when, when you find yourself, uh, you know, in L.A., in New York, you know, and the clubs are popping and the young ladies are woo woo wooing, <laughs> and you're trying to keep your mental health, but also dealing with mm-hmm. the fact that you're a young man and people want to rock with you in whatever way. Who mm-hmm. do you call? Mm-hmm. Who is your lifeline? When my best friend, Asia, someone that I call a lot when it comes to how I'm feeling, you know, and and my perspective. Asia is somebody I met in LA when I first came to LA to audition for for movies, and she offered me a sofa to stay. And since then, we've been we've been best friends. Um, and that's my, you know, that's someone I call to just you know express myself, even if even if it means like you know I'm waffling for the next two hours. She's mm. a great listener. Mm, mm. So, yeah. And you met her when you were old again. Probably 19, 20. It was when Attack the Block first released in the States and I had come over to the States to try and just look for opportunity. Uh Um, I lost my accommodation in LA, um, Airbnb I was staying in and I met her at this get-together. She had watched me in Attack the Block. I told her, look, I don't have nowhere to stay at the moment. I'm kind of struggling with accommodation and I've got some auditions and potential meetings coming up. Do you have, do you know anybody with accommodation? She said, nah, bro, like I love you in Attack the Block. You can come stay in mine. Wow. And come, come chill on my sofa. Um, and she lived in Inglewood at the time. So from Inglewood, we would both go. She worked in LA, you know, near Santa Monica. And we'd both go into town and she dropped me at my auditions, picked me up after. And since then we just uh, built a great friendship. Let me tell you some, know? let me tell you some, that, that's what you talk about relationships right there. That's yeah, super dope, man. Man. That is super dope. Yeah. yeah. And then you've also been able to build that with some other young black actors in Hollywood, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's a few, a few I've worked with um, over the years in which we've been able to build a connect. You know, Daniel Kulu is someone that I've known over the years that I actually met after seeing him on stage. I waited by the stage door to meet him, uh, which is what I should have done with you, you know, when yes. I came to see you. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah. And I'm still upset. I mean, but, but your one was a, your one was a bigger stage door. Anyway, that, that stage anyway, door was different. Anyway, all you had to do is hit all you had to so do is, stage doors. All you had to do is hit somebody in the head with that golden globe. They would have let you back there. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, definitely like seeing seeing Daniel coming up, um, watching him on stage, uh, being a fan of his work on TV, um, and then being in, in drama school with Letitia Wright um, and, and a few people, Malachi Kirby, that we all went to the same drama school. We all, we all went through the same kind of training process. It's, it's fun times to see where everybody's at now because we spoke about this when we was just, you know, Crazy. walking home from class Crazy. after just, you know, doing a cool scene and Letitia Wright who's in now in, you know, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, yeah. Ashuri, was like, yo, one day, man, like, one day, I'm going to be a, a leading actress. I'm going to be in the big movies. And we'd all talk here and we'd be like, yeah, I can imagine you in it too. And we'd give each other motivation just to see it serious? happening now. It's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts to see it happening now. But it makes sense also. And with that, we'll take a quick break. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you will instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. And we're back. Who helped you have that type of courage to project positive visions for yourself? Because when I was coming up, dreaming that something good was going to happen to me, was it was too much of a risk. Yeah. I didn't do that. What is it about either your family, you, your generation, that you guys are not afraid to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And again, here you are doing it. Um, because I, I grew up in Southeast London, Peckham, and in that area, it was definitely tough in terms of the examples you had in front of you. Um, and at nine years old, I lost a, a friend called Damiola Taylor, who was actually one of my sister's closest friends. Um, and he was unfortunately murdered. Um, and because of myself and my sister, we were the last ones to see him. So unfortunately, we were involved in the case. So at nine years old, I was exposed to a murder case in a sense that just kind of like um, gave me a reality of who I was and what class I was born into and what environment. And that kind of, the reality of that is something that kind of followed me into my teenage years um, in which we would see that the environment around you now forces you to, to have to make different decisions now. And the courage for me came from that because it felt like if I didn't make that choice, then the other options wouldn't be as good or you'd be, you'd be unfortunately caught up in, in something because you had to stay in that area. And I wanted something that was going to, get me out, expose me to the world, you know, expand my horizons, do all of that. And then something that I can bring home to my parents and my family to, to also provide. So that's something that kind of sparked off from a combination of things. I was like, yeah, I got to make other choices because in this situation, in this scenario, within this class, there's only a few options and I don't, I don't like them. I am so grateful that you shared that story. Wow. To be nine years old and to have to deal with that, I can't even imagine uh, how that could set the trajectory for your life to want and desire something different, man. That 
Huh. Now, what's the plan always to act in America? The theater in London is so huge. It's so respected. Yeah. Was it yeah. always that you wanted to come across the water? Um, no, I didn't think it was possible for a good few years. Even when I was interested in acting, even when I was doing stage, um, America, it just wasn't an option. Even when, you know, Adrian Lester, it's like Black British Adrian Lester, who was one of the first ones to kind of touch projects that were high end. Even when he was mm-hmm. doing that, I just didn't see it as a reality. But when I saw Idris Elba, <laughs> When, when I saw Idris Elba have an interview um, and I'd watched him in The Wire, I'd seen him in a few clips and I thought the brother was from you know, the East Coast somewhere. I thought it was somewhere like from the States. Uh-huh. And then he goes, yeah, my name is Idris Elba uh, and I'm from East London. I'm like, wait, 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 whoa. Wow. What's going on here? <laughs> what is going on here? And then I think all the drama schools kind of shifted and changed too. Um, you'd now go into drama school and they'd be like, okay, you guys have to perfect your American accent because um, yeah, there's opportunity in the States. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you are schooling me on something, John. Mm. So, so you're telling me that Idris had more of an impact on your generation of young black actors in UK than we realize in America. Yeah, yeah. So like what? Big time. Really? So he was, oh, Big time. Really? So he was like the bar for Yes, you. absolutely. Are you serious? Absolutely. I mean, you got to think about it. Black British brother, here in the States, you guys have accepted him in, which was which was fantastic to, for us to see that there was an acceptance of him. The women love him. You know, the brothers in all the, you know, the Tyler Perry movies. I don't movies. want to talk about all that. Well, I, you know what I mean? I, I could care less about the women. But you know like what I mean? I like, there was, about that. He, there was, he all right. I don't think he all right. I don't think he all that, John. Nah, John, I'm sorry, John. He's okay. But you know how that goes. We were just there looking like the, the fact that um, his charisma um, is, is is kind of um, they're they're receptive across the bond. Wow. It's something that kind of just opened a lot of our minds because he was in the the grounded black projects, the cultural black projects, the Tyler Perry movies. Then you know transitioning yeah. into the high end movies. So there was an acceptance of him yeah. that for us was kind of like wait 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 hold on hold on hold on I have to I have to get this together man I have to stop saying you know. I am John and start saying I am John. Like I have to like switch this up. (laughs) So, and so when we all kind of like got into the training um, and and classes changed, it was more about getting you ready for feature films for, you know, much more big scale American, the Hollywood industry out there. That is amazing that he changed the aesthetic of your and many like you. Yeah. That is yeah. amazing. Last question on that. Do you think that the community celebrates him in London enough? I think that there's uh, definitely a familiarity in London that can make you feel like when you go back home, it's like, that's our boy. You know, that's our, that's our guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel that uh-huh. behind closed doors, definitely that, that he is seen as, as, as somebody that's like, yeah, you know, that's the guy that, you know, kicked it off first. And I'm saying it publicly. It definitely for me was somebody when I saw him, when I watched him in the wire, I was just like, you know, yeah, but you definitely feel that when you do come out to the States, there is, and because you guys are more, you guys have a charisma, um, especially the African-American community with such culture and such vibrance, like the way you guys show us mm-hmm. love is second to none. Like it's a different kind of feel, like it's a different kind of energy. Wow. Um, so that's, 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 wow. that's how you do it. When you go home, 
that's seeing the fam and they know you. They know you, you know, it's all good. But you come yeah, out, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, this is it's big love. Yes. So yes, I want you to know that black people are magical everywhere, all over the globe. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 we know that we see it. I gotta show you love, brother, because at 30 years old, you are committed to making sure that there's a balance of a voice, not only in the part of the world that you live in, mm. but just globally. Mm. How do you balance your love for what you do, securing the bag, mm-hmm. and deciding when or how to speak about injustice against your people? I think, you know, it, it, came, it came to a point where um, I realized what being in, in the celebrity position can do. Um, sometimes when you're in this position of, of immense wealth or you're well-known, um, people assume the worst out of you because you've just got everything you want. Why should you care? Why should you mm-hmm. care about, you know, what everybody else is going through? Um, and I just felt like, um, you know, I, I, I do care because a lot of the people that I'm connected to are still in, in the world. Do you know what I mean? And this wealth and all of that, it doesn't separate you entirely, especially when I say, you know, people do rich you know, different people do rich differently. Like it's, rich yeah. to me is not the same as rich to you. Like rich to me means I got to provide for mom and dad and there's aunties yeah, yeah, and there's yeah, uncles. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole thing going on to you. It might mean more detachment from that. But for me, it actually brings me closer to that. And in bringing mm-hmm. me closer to that, you know, you start to see the worries of the pain of your people. You start to see that during 2020, we were living in a time where we were consistently seeing black bodies being harmed. Um, like psychologically, what it was doing to us, you know, it just wasn't right. And, and being in yeah. my position, I was just kind of like, how do I join Korea with, with, with purpose? How do I make sure that there's, there's a synergy between both of them? Um, I've been given the opportunities with, you know, small acts and um, this movie Breaking, which I play a war veteran, to connect with communities in which these stories um, reflect their reality, in which we're exposing the truth about the sufferings that they go through. That also, as an actor, gives me the opportunity to get involved in charities, to meet individuals, to give to to individuals and institutions, not just only back home in London, but when I come out to the States. And and it's been great to join those two visions together. And and now, have you ever been afraid to speak out or felt like it would have a negative impact on your career? Because sometimes the higher you get, the more you have to lose. Yeah. So did you ever feel that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's, it's, it's always been a conflicting thought. Like if I speak out about this, especially how some things can be perceived, um, perception is such a, is such a crazy thing. You know, you yes. almost, you yes. almost have to get to a point where you, you, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I know my truth. I know I'm not who they think I am in that sense, in a negative sense. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing behind closed doors. I know that if they were to do an investigation into me, I know it will reveal my truth. You have to get to that point yes. because sometimes the perception yes. is, is, is not that. So definitely to, to speak up, you're thinking, damn, if I speak up, they might view me as problematic. They might think that um, I'm someone that's hard to work with, you know, when really what I'm calling out is a truth that people may not, may not notice. Oh, you know? Man, listen. Uh, I'm just so impressed at how you are so eloquent, even in a topic that, like you said, can sometimes have these levels of sometimes dichotomies, right? Mm. Now, how do you come to terms with that? Meaning the perception versus who you really are. I think it's um, been a, a process for me because uh, you, you get to a point where you're like, wow, there's someone somewhere in the world that's not going to understand your truth and are going to be committed to not seeing that. Um, Mm-hmm. And as you go and you get more exposed, there's going to be more and more people like that. And I think that definitely the circle, the village that I have around me, making sure that yeah. they know who you are, making sure that they're connected 
And at the same time, it's the consistency of experiences with other people all around the world that I've met, the friends that I've been able to make, make spontaneously, um, the, the, the events that I've been able to go to that have exposed me to other people like me all around the world who are kind of like working for their dream at the same time trying to balance self. Um, and, and that in itself just makes me, you know, packaged for the journey, man. I have one more question in this space. And, and just because you have been part of franchises and as a young thespian being hmm. exposed to a lot of opportunities and environments that most young African-Americans haven't. And what gave you the courage, though, John, to talk about your experience as a black man, even in Star Wars? Because, you know, when, when you get that kind of call, naturally, you don't want to do nothing to mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. So so in that, how did you find the oomph to be able to do that, knowing that this is not an environment that is conducive to that? They're not even used to it. They don't even have enough characters that are part of the franchise mm. to even always even necessarily be aware mm. uh, that these things are even hitting close to home, right? Because they weren't even having these conversations then, yeah. right? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... How did you do that? I would just love to hear from you, your experience as a young black actor. I think it's seeing everything happening, seeing this platform that's been given to me, having this option to kind of stay silent, relax, chill. I kind of saw the end of each version and I saw the end of staying relaxed and chilling and not saying a word. And the end of that, I did get opportunities. I did make money, but I was the only one. I was significantly lonely because I hadn't opened the doors for anybody else. The same issues in the industry still existed and other people were now being affected by it. Maybe someone in my family down the lineage who actually found an interest in acting would be affected by the obstacle that I was too afraid to speak up about. I saw that. I saw myself frustrated on set because of this silence that now people in the industry would have congratulated me for. Like, he's a good boy. He's one of the good ones. You know, he just takes his money and goes home, you know? And... I saw that. I looked up. I said, nah, <laughs> I'm saying it. I'm, wow. I'm speaking up. I'm saying something. Because you know what? I do not. One of my biggest fears is existing in an industry um, that is not ready for people like me. Um, and, and, and existing in an industry in which, you know, black people don't have the opportunity to open doors. It means that there never gets to be a JB that says Idris Elba through achieving his dream, I was inspired to achieve mine. Yeah. It stops that lineage. Yes. Um, and when you hear everybody speaking, when you hear, you know, Viola Davis, when you hear a lot of these great actors speaking, you hear a, a, a tone of opening the door, uh, passing on the baton. And that isn't always at your most mature age or when you're about to end, yeah. end your career. Yeah. Sometimes it's when you're given such a powerful position. And in that, you have the opportunity to then say, you know what? This is an elephant in the room that somebody lower than me, somebody without this opportunity would be fired for, for, for highlighting or they would be kind of blacklisted. Let me use a lot of this Star Wars muscle <laughs> on just yeah, saying yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. profound um, and hopefully something that a lot of people wow. can relate with. Um, and that's just all it was. That's to a lot of muscle, brother. That's <laughs> Star Wars muscle. That is a lot of muscle. And I commend you, man. I... Man, I salute you and celebrate you. And what I also love in the spirit in which you do it, you don't do it with the 
character trait that closes doors for people. You do it with a sense of community mm -hmm. that still opens the doors to people outside of our community for yes. longer discussion. Yes, absolutely. And I love that. Absolutely. It's, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and I believe that that's wisdom and compassion. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's the way that our boy Jesus would want us to do it. Yeah, man. man you that's, know, you know, then, that's the way to yeah, roll, you yeah. know, to, to, to really, you know, take, yeah, take yeah. in all different perspectives. Yes, also. sir. Yes, mm -hmm. sir. Yes, sir. I got to ask you, since you sitting out in the audience with your Golden Globe at the concert, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got your Star Wars clothes on, you're sitting out there. <laughs> got the lightsaber you know. on, the, on, the, on the, you yeah, know, Yeah, yeah, you got, got the light. <laughs> when we tell everybody to throw their hands in the air, you got your lightsaber. Hey, hey, you told everyone to put their phones on. Put a phone light on. I was like, the lifesaver just the blue. You know now we I mean? had the lifesaver join on. Hey, you should have seen me. So hey, you should have seen me during stomp, man. I was going in. I was going in. I needed space in my row. We had to. We had to space it out a little bit. To let everyone to spread out. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, man, I gotta ask you, man. When you are going through your own storms and when mm. you're going through your own mountain valleys, do you have a song? Is there a song that you? that you go to, that you listen to, to just remind you, mm. you know what I'm saying, that God's got you or or that you can make it? Juanita, Juanita Bynum, I don't mind waiting. That's my- Juanita Bynum, I don't mind Yeah. Waiting. Oh my God, you pulled that one out. That's, That's my go-to. old joint. Are you- ooh, Yeah, I mean, uh, my, my mom and dad used to listen to Shirley Caesar, man. They- they, they don't, you know, they yeah. all gospel. And for me, I just, you know, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. there's something about a song that, that that doesn't only give me hope, but gives me a, a a reality on what I need to give. And sometimes it's 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 patience. Like that song is is about waiting and, and sometimes waiting for that moment for you to be better about your decisions, for that moment for you to heal. That wait, you know, is, yeah. is sometimes the hardest and trickiest times of your life. And I've been, you know, sometimes I've, I've, I've been waiting a lot of the times I've been waiting, especially, you know, as an actor mm. for opportunities for, yeah. for waiting for a breakthrough, waiting for the industry to change, waiting to be, to be heard. And in that, rather than losing yeah. my character and becoming somebody else and becoming poison or bitter, that song, man, and you know yeah. what, you know what, Anita, man, she sings, she sings from the, she sings from the, from the soul, man. There was something about that. Um, the gut. That song that's always, always stuck yeah. with me. Wow. Man, listen. That that that's just encouraging to know that you still know how to plug in. I'm not gonna keep you long because I heard that that um, they've got another Golden Globe outside waiting. On you. <laughs> you know they shine them every day, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> but before I let you go, I gotta still celebrate you and keep begging you up for all these great things you're doing. You're Thank in you. the Woman King. Oh yeah, you're in the man. Woman King movie, bro. These historical figures, female warriors yes. in the Dahomey Kingdom. Yeah. West Africa mm -hmm. with you starring and what is your name? King Gezo. Gezo. King Gezo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just can you tell me a little bit about this, man? Just give me a little bit. I mean, this is a this is an epic story. It's about this group of an all-female military unit um, who are tasked with protecting their king within the king's guard. Um, they are called the Agogie. Um, they are taught to know no pain and know no fear. Um, and it's about their story, a human story that's so nuanced, so descriptive, um, that goes into you know, the slave trade, it goes into trauma, it goes into happiness, it goes into celebration, sisterhood, womanhood. It's a combination and a complex look at an era that we, we, we kind of, uh, we've seen it in one way and we never go into the complexities. But this is, this is such a, a versatile take um, and a versatile kind of um, celebration 
of a world that uh, we thought we knew. And Viola yeah. Davis, bro, Viola Davis, who is ah. leading us in this movie, ah. this is her most transformative role yet. Ah. Oh, um, and it's got some of the leading black women. And when I say the lead, this is special because we know about the disparity for our dark-skinned brown women. This is, you know, such a major platform for Lachana Lynch, Sheila Atim, Tussauds Bedu, Jamie Lawson, all these uh, amazing women who are actresses in this wow. movie as well. Wow, wow. For John Boyega, the young lesbian, yeah. the, the, the future Lifetime Achievement Award winner, who is your bar? Who is John Boyega's bar when it comes to mm. the actors, actors, actor? Who is that for you? Oh my gosh. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a group of people. There's Joaquin Phoenix. There's mm. Denzel Washington. There's Tom Cruise. There's Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, uh, Oscar Isaac, you know, who I really love. Angela Bassett, Viola Davis again, Jamie Foxx. Um, so many of these people who I, I look up and say, yeah, man, they continuously show me the bar. Um, and they can, they continuously, they rise beyond that. But now even what's so great in my position in working with Viola and working with Jamie as well, in that they've, they've offered me an opportunity and a chance also to make my own story. Wow. Wow. I have to tell you that one of my favorite British actors my whole life has been Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, Gary Oldman was with Denzel in, the, you know, in that movie as well, in the, in the Book of Eli and he's yes. been in the Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, I think it was, but a few yeah. things he's been in. Oh, he's yes. fantastic. Fantastic. Yes, I first saw him in Immortal Beloved, and he was mm, amazing. I've seen that one. Yeah, uh, he's amazing. Uh, he plays Beethoven. Yeah. He's amazing. Oh, and, oh, yeah. see, yeah, I love actors that can transform. That's yes. my, it's my big thing. I love an actor that can transform. And then, you know, with Tom Cruise, I like an actor that can just get out of there and do it. Bro, <laughs> like and, he still, and he still yeah. does, and he still does his yeah. own stuff. I mean, he's on top of the two planes. What? At 68 years old. He's 72. Yeah. Last time I heard, he was about 85 years old and he can do all yeah. the stunts. Yeah, he can do yeah, all the stunts at it's, 93. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's nuts. And, you know, and there's Daniel K and, and Kiki Palmer is fantastic also. Kiki Palmer. You like Kiki Palmer? Yeah. That's dope. I do. I've, I've met her as an actress for actually a long time and it, and it was one of my dreams to work with her and I ended up working with her on Imperial Dreams. So she played my baby mama in, in Imperial Dreams. So you we, missed what we, I just did a minute ago, John. John, you, you just missed Whoa. what I did a minute ago. You didn't notice every well, time I did. said you didn't notice every time I said Tom Cruise's name. I went up on his age. You didn't. You didn't catch that. Oh no, 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 you did. <laughs> <laughs> you missed that, John. You you missed that. Nah, I was nah, trying nah, to that went over. I was trying to press you with my acting skills, and I didn't do too well. Oh, so okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, but you. It was seamless. I didn't even know you would. It was seamless, Ooh. and that's the key. Ooh. That's the key. <laughs> that's did the you key. like my method? Did, did you like my method? Hey, listen, we gotta we gotta put you on the list. Put maybe a Marvel. Kirk in the Marvel Marvel world, man. Little man. And you've been in the gym. You've been in the gym. I've been, been in, in the gym. gym. I've been hey, in the gym. Listen, I, ooh, I said during revolution, you were about to burst out of that velvet, that velvet top on stage. I said, Let me tell you something. Don't get cut. John, Don't John, get cut. John, John, hold on, John. I gotta tell you, I was so embarrassed because that was my first time wearing that shirt in a concert, and I did not know that Is it? I didn't know that the shirt couldn't stand all the movement. So I kept pulling on it all night long. I was so embarrassed. Nah, bro. that's that's someone that's done an extended chest day, man. And doesn't he hasn't done any measurements, man. That's all that is. Oh that's my what you God. were standing. 
I why am not? So, why not? I, am, I was so embarrassed, John. John, I was so embarrassed, bro. Man, listen, as I know you got a billion things you got to go do, I cannot tell you how humble and honored I am. Man, please tell your mom and daddy I said hello. Please oh, tell your sisters man. I said hello, man. No, no, seriously. Like, oh, tell man, them I said what's would. up. I, no, my mom and dad would love that you just said that. They would love call that you just quick, said that. Ray, 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 before you go, call them real quick. No, 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 sure? now, now, now. Not right now. now. Yeah. Wait, wait. Um, Grab Erica, your phone. Pass my phone. I need to call Grab my your phone dad. so I can say hi to your mom and daddy right now. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> pics. What's the time now? Four, four, four. I need to. I need to. Dad. Dad. Yes. So I've got someone, I've got someone special that wants to say hello to you. You ready, yeah? The person is special. The person is, the person is, the person is special. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the camera around. Wait, wait. That's not, that's not, that's not Brian. That is Kirk. Oh wow. <laughs> He's waving to you. Hey brother. How are you? How are you, sir? I'm doing good, sir. Thank you for raising your son on my music. Oh, uh, and, and thank you for touching the world with music. Wow, I'm honored. Nah, man. You know, Kirk said he's honored. We're going to get a proper chat with you guys. Definitely. Thank you. That's dope. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been an honor to talk to my brother from across the waters. And he is an incredible soul, an incredible man, and touching people bigger than the screen. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me think on good words. John. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you, man. And, and keep, keep doing you. And I'll make sure next time I'm in the audience, I'm coming backstage for sure. <laughs> coming but, backstage. <laughs> but if you don't have that Golden Globe, I'm not going to let you back in. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to bring that. I'm going to bring that. <laughs> So thank y'all so much for listening to Good Words, man. I hope you are enjoying yourself. I hope you're, man, enjoying the journey that you're taking with your boy. And if you are, please do me a favor. Leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Can you do that for me? I'd appreciate it. And don't you forget, you can never go too far or you can't come back home. Good Words with Kirk Franklin is a collaboration between For Your Soul Entertainment, Sony Music Entertainment, RC Inspiration, and something else. Produced by Janicia Francis with senior producer Danielle Jones-Wesley. Associate producers are Danya Abdel-Hamid, Rachel Chodar, and Kyra Asabe-Bansu. It's executive produced by Ron Hill, Reese Brooks, Sarita Wesley, Tom Koenig, Hybrid Agency, and myself, your boy, Kirk Franklin. This episode was mixed by Calvin Bailiff, and special thanks to Charlie Yadon, and Steve Ackerman. 